From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Natalie Cheel and Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Yes, indeed you are. It is Wednesday, Wednesday the 24th of January 2024. Natalie and I and Gemma and a couple of guests as well are going to be squeezing as much uh, topics of conversation and whatnot into the next uh, remainder of this hour as we possibly can live, uncensored, unscripted here on the one and only TNT. Today's news talk and coming up later on in the hour, uh, we have for the first time Tagreed Al-Mawed. She is currently based in South Lebanon and she's going to be giving us an on-the-ground report of what it's actually like to be internally displaced as a result of war and hostilities, <coughs> excuse me, within the Middle East. And then Later on in the art, we're going to be joined by Ben. He's coming back from Chasing Descent when we're going to be talking about the Doomsday Clock. <laughs> so, yes, do you have one on your wall or is it just a figment of people's imagination? We're going to be talking about that one later on as well. Natalie, uh, I saw a, a text or a message this morning from Andrew Lawrence, who's a stand-up comic. Uh, yesterday, we were talking about conscription, whether or not we would uh, enlist and go and fight uh, Putin if he decided to invade um, Europe in any way, shape or form. So Andrew Lawrence put a message up that said, good luck conscripting white working class men <laughs> to fight your NATO war for you when you've spent the last decade using the cult of diversity and inclusion to discriminate them against them and attack them. I suspect they'd sooner fight for Russia at this point, yeah, a lot of very disgruntled people out there, and I think they'd really have their hands full if they did try and bring in conscription or reintroduce national service at this point in time. Very, very uh, volatile situation in the UK. What do you reckon? I just had the idea as you were talking of a rainbow army instead, you know, like mm. uh, going to the front line mm. with uh, with uh, the flags, the rainbow flags mm. and the multicolored oh, yeah. hair and like, mm. like, you know, diversity, mm. inclusion. You know, mm. this is how we'll get this is how we're going to win the war. Right. No guns, no guns for those no, people. Uh, no. They'll give them banners and placards uh, saying, you know, refugees welcome here and little pink fluffy unicorns. They can yeah. throw them at the Russian troops and maybe they will have See some effect. But it's, crazy, it's a crazy state of affairs. That's Andrew Lawrence putting that up there as well. Also, you can remember last week we were talking here about the strike that's going on with council workers last week, Natalie. It was minus five here. Now it's plus 10. So in the last week, the temperatures fluctuated from minus five to plus 10. It's actually quite mild. So people are saying, well, thank goodness for that. We don't have to worry about the gritters anymore. The roads being gritted. Remember last week, they didn't grit yeah. the roads for anyone. And there was traffic Did carnage. We well, this injuries? Week. Did we hear uh, of any not, injuries last not week? That I, Anything not bad that I that know happened? of. Good, not good. that I know of, not that I know of, but then again, I haven't really been following that particularly closely. But this week, uh, we've had wild storms, you know, we're in the the the, the, the clutches of a, a typhoon or a hurricane or call it what you want. At least that's what the Met Office are saying. And now the roads are strewn with trees, uh, trees that have blown down, branches that have broken. And of course, the road service are still on strike. So there's no one to clear off those branches at the minute. So even though things have got milder, you know, no ice. Don't worry about the gritters now. We've got trees blocking the roads and the road service are still on strike and they won't be chopping them up. You can't win, can you? 
No, you can't. But I did also put a, a tweet out last week of all this week saying uh, it's, it's so typically British to complain about the weather as well. I mean, I know it comes with uh, extra services needed, but I said I've been complaining about the rain, you know, and then it was too cold and then the storms came and it's windy. And then and then I'll complain in the summer when it's too hot. Mm. The British, they we can't like stop complaining about we the like weather. Is there with, we like them. Well, we like a good moan, don't yeah. we? Anyone out there in the live chat, by the way, if you want to admit that you're a weather moaner, please feel free. I'm pretty happy with where I am at the minute. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it never gets too cold here. It never gets too warm. Uh, it's never too bright and it's never too dull. So I'm Aww. in a sweet spot. But I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Last night I went out. I uh, wanted a little coffee in one of my favorite little independent shops later on last night. And as I drove up, uh, parked and got out, uh, they were closed uh, due to the hurricane or the typhoon. It was extremely disappointed there wasn't even a leaf blowing down the main street let alone uh storm damage being done anywhere but people are afraid they actually buy into this uh climate shenanigans and skullduggery but that's enough uh about the climate as per right now we're going to pause and welcome Gemma to take the stand here on tnt today's news talk your voice heard here the government needs to step up and do its job today's news talk radio tnt Gemma, 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 we have news galore here this morning. It's going to be coming in thick and fast. Uh, what have you got for us this morning? Uh, well, it's uh, it's a story about our beleaguered postal system. Just when you think that the post office hasn't come in for enough uh, bad headlines over recent weeks, we've now got one on top, which is Royal Mail. Um, now, they're, they're separate institutions, but the end result is the same to the tens of millions of, of, of people who need to receive the mail on a daily basis, not least important documents like, you know, hospital appointments, insurance documents, legal documents. Um, so in the last half an hour, the uh, Royal Mail has announced that it's going to, there's going to be a consultation, which is going to be open to the public in the UK um, to look at reducing the number of delivery days, possibly down to five from six days a week and possibly down to even three uh, to save money and to kind of reform the system, which at the moment they're saying the, off, the regulator Ofcom is saying it's not fit for purpose. It's just the staggering amounts of money that this, it is now a private corporation. It used to be a public service controlled by the government. It's now a private company, uh, but it's still legally bound to deliver a universal service six days a week to us, the British. Uh, taxpayers. So if it went down to a five-day delivery week, it would save between 100 and 200 million. If it went down to a three-day delivery week, it would save between 400 million and 650 million. Now that's just eye-watering amounts of money. And where will these savings go? Just exactly where the uh, so-called missing money from the post office scandal went to, and it's very likely to go into executive and shareholder Hey, that's what this review is all about. And you can say, oh, well, what's the point of talking about the post, the post Royal Mail in England? But of course, it affects everybody. It affects everybody. Royal Mail affects every single person. We all need our deliveries, um, especially if you're waiting for hospital appointments or test results. God forbid you've had a, a test and you're waiting for results. So this is an, uh, a very big headline uh, generator, but Royal Mail is defending its position. It's saying its service is not fit for purpose. And that the, you know the excuse they're using? They're saying, if we don't reform the system to save all of this money, the price of stamps will be sky high. Now we have, you and I, I think, Rick, or maybe it was Natalie, you, we talked about the price of stamps before Christmas, didn't we? And around Christmas, because yeah. we were saying nobody is sending Christmas cards anymore in the UK because stamps are simply too expensive. No one can afford to wish anybody the season of goodwill because they, you know, they're, are they a pound or something? I, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. it's a huge really amount. Expensive. Huge. Yeah. 
Yeah, huge amount of money. Um, so the Royal Mail are using this caveat warning to the likes of the little people like us saying, well, if you don't let us reform the system to save hundreds and hundreds of millions to pay to our shareholders, we're going to charge you the price of stamps. And you know why they would put the price of stamps up? To pay the shareholders. So it's come out this morning. Funnily enough, the post office minister has waded in. Uh, it's a different minister completely to the one that was in charge in the post office scandal. But either way, I kind of think the post office should stay out of everything at the moment because <laughs> anything they are linked to, the headlines are never going to be good. So the post office are kind of rivaling Royal Mail and saying, look, we get letters, we get parcels, um, you need to deliver them. So they're two two different companies, but they're providing the same service to 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 the UK public. Um, so yeah, I don't know where this one's going to go. I kind of sense that the delivery days will be cut. Uh, the government interestingly came out the weekend and said, no, we don't want we don't want you reducing deliveries out from a six days a week because it, uh, there's a lot of publishing companies that rely on magazine subscriptions and all kinds of different subscriptions and they would they would lose revenue. That made me think that those ministers have probably got shares in those publishing companies, mm -hmm. but I'm very suspicious now. So that's where we are this morning with this story and I'm sure we'll be talking about it again as the months roll on, as the uh, consultation is due to end in the summer. Yeah, go ahead, Nat, go ahead. I was going to say, being a bit of a conspiracy theorist, I'm starting to think uh, they may be starting to deliberately let the post office look bad. I mean, they didn't have to bring the post office scandal out and do a TV documentary on it. They're doing this. They're now trying to say, oh, the price has gone up. They're making it look bad. And let's be honest, they don't want anyone to have any post. They want it to go digital. I've just made some examples as you were talking. Uh, insurance now, you can pay a bit less if you're not prepared to get any post to you, if you have it all digital. I had to sign solicitor's documents. You don't even have to go to a solicitor anymore. It's all on a team or Zoom's meeting and they can send you documents that you can sign online. Uh, NHS now don't want to send you letters. I don't have the NHS app because I know of all the problems in COVID, but NHS are now going paper-free. All your letters are now on an app and on an appointment. Other people have shown me. Is this not a way, Rick, possibly? You know, they're trying to say, oh, we're doing it for other reasons. Is this not a way to go digital as well? Really, Definitely. Uh, when you think about it, listen, the post, the postal service is just going through what banks and landline providers have went through. We are digitized up to the neck at the minute. Uh, bank branches are closing because no one wants to go into branches because people are doing things online. It's the same with landlines. Who has a landline these days? A few people do, uh, older people do. But if you've got a mobile phone and you've got a good internet and whatnot, or Skype on your uh, laptop and a good internet connection, then people tend not to use landlines. That's why BT are dying a death in that respect as well. And I think the same is happening with the postal service. Uh, definitely, it's going down that route. I did have a little chuckle there when we were talking about the price of stamps, though. You know, sometimes do you not sit at home and you think, I wonder what so-and-so really thinks of me. I wonder if they really value me. And I think the stamp thing has answered that question for <laughs> once and for all. Because when it was 16p a stamp, everybody was valuable. And then when it went to 32p, stamp, you became a lot more selective in who you would post things to. Now it's 95 pay stamp, no one's getting anything. So let's face it, we're worth less than a quid to most of our so-called friends and family members. I think it's been a very uh, telling tale over the last few months as they've whacked the price of the stamps up. I don't know what you're talking about, Rick. I still sent you a happy Christmas WhatsApp message. That, that, that's oh, good enough, isn't it? <laughs> you should have posted it. But here's the thing, I'm, I'm guilty as well. I mean, we don't use pretty much the post for anything. Uh, on our letterbox, it's almost, we never get posts, not even yeah. junk mail anymore. So yeah. there's definitely a drying up 
of the amount of uh, volume that's going through the post office at the minute. And of course, it's not a good thing per se, because there's a lot of people still rely. It's a huge institution, a lot of post uh, post office workers, sorters, deliverers, the people that are out on the ground, they rely on that. Many people have been doing that job for a very, very long time. And if the postal service does go into uh, decline the way banks did, for example, branches closing and one thing and another, it's going to be grim, more grim uh, outlooks for the economy as more and more people lose their jobs. So it's not good. And it's the death of another British institution, really. Can I just add before I put it? Back to yep. Gemma, I, just, I know a lot of people use it for cash as well, Gemma. Mm. We're talking about a cashless society. The post office is one of the main places people go now, not just cash points. So obviously, if you get rid of the post office's branches themselves, it's another way of removing cash. So that's what I just wanted to add as well. I just want to make it clear as well, we are talking about Royal Mail today. That's the delivery service. We're not talking about the the post office. They are two separate institutions. But one one is inextricably linked to the other. So you go to the post office to post your whatever it is, um, and then they farm it out to the Royal Mail to deliver it. So they they exist in this very symbiotic relationship. But yeah, one will see the demise of the other, certainly, because if there's no delivery, you're less likely to even go and have something delivered in the first place and go into that post office uh, and to get your cash. So it is, it is. And and Rick, I agree with you. It's another demise of a great British institution. Both of these institutions were under public ownership until relatively recently. And they were this great bastions of English culture. That's why so many people wanted to be go and become post submasters and mistresses before the scandal it was seen as this amazingly respectable um position to be in you know running a post office you're part of the community mm. and royal mail the name says it all if you're if you're into all that sort of thing it's the royal mail you know and it's just another decline which is another kind of decline of our culture and, and our kind of uh, sort of standards um and and again it has a psychological effect i think on people when that kind of thing happens it does, it does. And I actually went into the post office the other day to withdraw money because the hole in the wall machine at the local supermarket wasn't working. It said, there's a post office in there, go and draw cash out. And I'm not going to lie, as I approached the counter with my debit card, the only thing I could think of is, will I be a victim today? Because we've talked a lot about being a victim of the post office. Will I be a victim? Am I going to be banged up in prison or maybe lose my house wrongfully? I've been accused of something by the post office. So even though it was only 20 quid, I was still a little bit fearful for my future. I'm not going to lie. As I shuffled up to the counter and presented my debit card, I was looking over my shoulder, waiting for the boys in blue to pop out and arrest me for nothing at all. But that's just the way we are at the minute with the good old post office. Gemma, many thanks. Thanks to you as always for bringing the story to us. We'll talk again in the next star in uh, Unlocked and Loaded. And in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break before we welcome our first guest on here for the day. Stay tuned for more on TNT, today's news talk. TNT, Sonia Porton. You feel the need to describe yourself along with being a useless eater, free speech isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently. So just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No. There's no such thing. There was there was literally no such thing till a couple of years ago. And it's it's their religion. It's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT.
The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk the human mind is like a computer, no matter how efficient it may be. Its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise! Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Okay, uh, we, we're getting on with the show here this morning. want to welcome for the first time uh, to Open Line, Pagrid Al-Mawed. I hope I've said that name correctly. She is a uh, based in southern Lebanon. She's part of the Palestinian Refugee Project, and you can find uh, out about them and what they do on their website, palestinianrefugeeproject.org.uk. She reports on the plight of Palestinian refugees under threat of all-out war. So a very warm welcome to you this morning. Pagrid, did I get the name right or uh, do I need to uh, correct my pronunciation? Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to hear. Well, listen, welcome uh, to the show here this morning. Basically, uh, what we want to talk about is the ongoing uh hostilities in the Middle East, uh, especially centered in and around Palestine. Obviously, uh, there's uh, horrific attacks going on there at the minute. Millions of people are affected. Hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people are being displaced. Uh, they're having to leave their homes. Tens of thousands of uh, children and innocent people are being murdered and massacred over there, which is resulting in a huge humanitarian crisis. Uh, this looks like it's going to be spilling into other parts of the Middle East as well. Tell us a little about, about what's going on in Lebanon at the minute, if you can, please. Um, well, I'm based in the UK, but I'm originally mm -hmm. from uh, the Palestinian uh, in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm paying a visit, but while I'm here even, is even um, the aggression or the attack, the airstrike attack of the occupation entity is getting northern of Lebanon, not only is getting to the northern of Lebanon. And uh, where I'm sitting, we could see the the bombing. It was the, at, uh, we considered southeast of Saida city where I am right now. Mm -hmm. um, there's attack now and then uh, by the occupation to Lebanon. Even the air rides uh, reached the capital and the north of uh, Lebanon. Uh, what is happening here because of this war, uh, the finance is dreadful, uh, people uh, struggling, especially the Palestinian, which I represent. Uh, lots of times they died in front of Lebanese hospitals because, because they can't afford it by cash if they couldn't mm -hmm. attend to uh, United Nations one. So it, it's, it, there's a chaos in Lebanon right now. And people between waiting to start another aggression by the Zionists to Lebanon or not. So there's lots of confusion because of what is happening. Okay, and tell me this. I, I, I was 
Uh, sorry, I was going to say uh, you're you're describing a, a horrific s- state of play in Lebanon at the minute, and in the UK at the minute, Tagreed, uh, we see uh, people flooding into the UK who claim that they're uh, fleeing from persecution and they claim that they're fleeing from war. But some of them are coming from places like Albania and Algeria. Surely we should be seeing large amounts of people coming from Lebanon and large amounts of people coming from Palestine because we know that they're being destroyed at the minute. We know that their homes have been destroyed. We know that they're under threat of death and persecution, but yet we don't see so many Lebanese refugees and we don't see so many Palestinian refugees in the UK. Why is this? Yeah, I'll tell you something. I when I since I moved to the UK, they labeled any person with tan skin color or something as a refugee asylum seeker. The first thing I keep saying, whether I'm giving a speech or having a meeting, I say I came to the UK as a student. I've never been welcomed as a refugee or any of this NGO's organization mm-hmm. came and helped me 75 years ago when my Palestinians are still uh, living the ongoing Nakba and some Lebanese, especially the uh, south of Lebanon. They are not uh, going to help Palestinians for uh, like some like some Lebanese, uh, some Lebanese says for our right of return to make sure we go back to Palestine. But uh, the, the, the British, which is they welcome the Syrian because it was a project by the British. Uh-huh. They're not welcome Lebanese or Palestinians because the, I, I don't think they consider a uh, refugee enough to be welcome mm. there or human enough to be welcome in uh, the UK. And it's funny, that's a question. I keep I try to answer it because the, the cause of the crisis in Britain, they should welcome us long time ago or they should mm-hmm. open their doors for us long time ago. So I'm, 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 this question, we need to ask them direct. Honestly, I, I, now I'm feeling I can't answer it even. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's- to say. It's bizarre. What do you think of that? We're speaking with Natalie here as well. Natalie, what do you think about this? We're seeing people flooding into the country who have huge question marks over their head, whether or not they're actually freeing persecution or not, or if they're just here to make use of, uh, you know, their economic migrants. Uh, As Tagrida said, she's confused as to why uh, there are no Lebanese or Palestinian refugees being brought in by the boatload to the UK. It's a little bit of inversion of what makes sense at the moment. Another example of this inversion that we talk about, Natalie isn't it? Yeah, well, well, it seems more of an agenda and a narrative and like virtue signaling to who they think the public uh, will, will feel sorry for, uh, rather than actually who is in, in danger. Uh, so I would like to ask where what actually is happening at the moment for those in Palestine uh, or in Lebanon who, who are in grave danger? Are, are they able to get out the country? Uh, what, what's happening to those people? Yeah, that's a question I'll tell you. When I ask who's in Britain, I was asking the Welsh and the Scottish government, because I am mostly between Wales and Scotland. They said, I'm afraid we can't bring any refugee because it's comp- it goes back to the English foreign office to accept people to come in or not. But uh, funny enough, that's when we say Europe, they, they, uh, these countries, they can't decide to come. But when, if the Palestinians manage to pass immigration, they are welcome. There's houses waiting for them and help. My problem is I go back to the borders in, uh, between, in Rafah, between uh, Palestine and Egypt, where they give access to some and not others. Like, for example, there's two TV presenters belonging, to, uh, working for, I think, Al Jazeera, Qatar. They managed to pass this um, borders 
easy how come huh? and there's plenty of people dying waiting to pass to get uh, a treatment she didn't do it and i have one uh, palestinian with his wife in britain england waiting to have his visa to pass and join his family in the uk he is not getting any permission so uh, again it's for powers like when qatar wants somebody to pass they'll get them out if the zionist mm -hmm. is really want somebody to pass they let him out if egypt wants somebody that's what i think so it's again it's not following the organization rules like this one has priority please let him pass it's not it's again the power what they decide will happen and people I have another uh, person were dying to have a tent to let his family, women, stay under because of the weather and cold. And despite the fact there's plenty that he couldn't, again, the power, they, you know, it, it, it doesn't work that the way the people think it, it, it is working there. Yeah, and it's certainly not something, uh, what you have just said, it's not certainly not something that uh, our politicians would like the British people or the Irish people to actually hear because no one is against helping people that are in genuine need. But unfortunately, and as you can see in the UK uh, and Ireland, it's being flooded at the minute by uh, predominantly young men who are coming in from alleged uh, persecution, some countries of which there's not even war happening there. And yet there are people that are genuinely suffering in the Middle East and it seems to be a select the process they can't actually get out i just want to direct people towards uh, your website again because we're up to time we've got to go to uh, news headlines here but tagreed is part of palestine palestinian refugee project and you can check out their website so uh, please find out more about the work that she does it's palestinian refugeeproject.org.uk and they also have an x page or a twitter page at p refugee project as well so please take the time to go and check out the work that those guys are doing and support them in any way that you can so big thanks to you this morning uh Tagreed, for joining us here Thank and you, just Tagreed. shining a light on what's really happening over in lebanon and in palestine at the minute and the genuine plight of people who are under genuine persecution and stress who who can't get out of the country and who can't receive assistance or aid so big thank you to the, uh Tagreed for that please stay tuned uh, we're going to take a news break right now but we'll be back with ben from chasing dissent here on open line tnt today's news talk what a news day this is turning out to be let's finish it tnt radio news matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines the United States has launched retaliatory airstrikes against Iranian-backed militias in Iraq in response to increased attacks against U.S. forces in the region. The White House has defended its decision to sue the state of Texas for trying to stem the flow of illegal immigrants by securing the southern border. And NATO has put in an order for $1.2 billion worth of artillery shells as it seeks to replace those that the bloc has sent to Ukraine. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. <laughs> I thought she was talking to me, actually. Oh, we're back. We're having a good laugh. Don't forget, you can call in at the end of the show. Get on our online chat as well. Uh, welcome back, though, to Ben. We were just discussing and having a good laugh at his background because uh, mm. I know you don't you don't like to take sides. You want to seek out the truth, and we've got a Trump uh, flag on one side and an LGBT 
LGBTQIA one on the other, making cool. a statement um, in one way or another, Ben. And we know yeah. you are a broadcaster that likes to talk. Uh, you are, of course, from Chasing Descent. We've had you, we've had John on the show, and I highly recommend going to check them out at Disabled Journo on X and watching their podcast and show. They are a great watch. Uh, and we are here today to talk about uh, the doomsday clock. Now, I never heard of this before, uh, but uh, I was getting ooh, yeah, alerts on my phone yesterday. It says doomsday clock unchanged at 90 seconds to midnight amid unprecedented level of risk. Are you scared, Ben? Are you scared? No. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not scared in any way because this has been going on since before we were born. This whole doomsday clock thing. This was started by the um, scientists. Well, I will say scientists responsible for the Manhattan Project. It's essentially a a countdown to nuclear war. Um, and, and then I'm reading the article here from Sky News, and, and I just want to point out a quote. Um, and now I've got to find it. It's urgent for governments and communities around the world to act, is, is what this uh, Rachel Bronson, president of the Bulletin, said. Um, well, isn't it the governments around the world that would be re responsible for said nuclear war? <laughs> well, it, well, exactly. And uh, it says humanity still closer than ever to catastrophe. You have to read the whole article in that voice, because honestly, yeah. uh, and, I, and I checked it, it, this article went on every main one. It was on CNN. It was on the Daily Fail. It was everywhere. You know, and the, the sad thing about it, Ben, is do you think there are actually some people that are going to read this and actually be scared? Some older people, you know, like that, the, the, you know, we're in imminent danger. We could go to war, nuclear, nuclear weapons you know we're laughing is, about it but yeah but the thing is we could go to war with nuclear weapons that's that's something that could happen because let's face it governments around the world don't like each other look, just look at ukraine okay look look at ukraine for a minute uh last year i believe it was <laughs> ukraine bombed poland by mistake uh killed killed at least one polish person maybe two and then little Vlad, Vladimir Zelensky, jumped onto the Twitter, the X, and, and gave a little stream and said, Russia have bombed Poland. We need a tactical nuclear strike against Russia right now. So there are people who, who will call for this sort of thing. And they are the ones in power. They are the ones in government. And they, they don't seem to care as to whether or not they lie in order to get what they want no absolutely True. and i was gonna i was gonna say uh, you know moving on uh and from what you've already said uh the doomsday clock it says was created in 1947 by uh, atomic scientists and it says the bulletin is an independent independent non-profit organization run by some of the world's most prominent scientists isn't it funny, though, that these scientists happen to follow exactly the same agenda as all the legacy and mainstream media? And they're mm. saying the main problems are AI, climate change, war. I mean, it's almost like they may have been funded by the same people, Ben. I, I just it, don't know. What do you reckon? It may be so. And, and let me let me dig a little bit deeper into that, because over on our show on Chasing Descent, I've been doing a little bit, if you will, whenever we talk about scientists, where I'll halt John, my partner, if he's talking about science, I'll say, let us pray. <laughs> and uh, we'll pray to the science, because the, science. the way the mainstream and, and legacy media 
talk about science, you would think that science and scientists are completely infallible. Absolutely everything that they say is gospel. However, science is a question. The idea of science is a question. Science is in flux. And I thought the idea of science was to disprove things, not prove things. So you, you come up with a theory and then you come up with ways to see whether or not it's right, to disprove it. But we've had this weird inversion in the last few years where, well, like I say, let us pray. Because anybody that, that claims to be a scientist is now an expert. Their word is gospel and they're completely and utterly infallible. And in reality, that's still not the case. They are fallible. They get a lot wrong. Talking about climate change, which you just mentioned, I saw an article yesterday that said Blackpool and other British coastal towns will be underwater by 2050. And uh, <laughs> let me just let me just uh, let you into a little bit of a teaser here. No, they won't. No, they won't. <laughs> Oh dear, Rick! Spoiler are you going to be praying? Yeah, are you going to be praying today to, to the science? No, uh, I, you know sometimes you don't need to bother God with things because they're just not going to happen anyway. And as Ben has rightly pointed out, Blackpool ain't going to be underwater in 2050. Maybe no. if you're paddling in the sea, you can roll your treasures up. You might be up to your knees in water, but that's a choice. That's got nothing to do with climate change. That's having a good old paddle. Then you might have a donkey ride and a nice cream afterwards as well. That's got nothing to do with climate change either. Ben, you mentioned right at the start, actually, we're talking about this doomsday clock, Natalie and I, before the show. I'm actually very surprised, Natalie, that you've never heard of this thing before. It's a mm. scare tactic that's supposed to put fear into people's hearts. Yeah. But Ben, you mentioned age. You said, uh, you know, these things have been around from before we were born. I'm 50 yes. now, right? And back in the 80s, I was very into Iron Maiden. There's a band called Iron Maiden, and they actually have a song. I'm big fan, about, big fan. Yeah, well, okay. Off the Parsley of Alden, 1985, Two Minutes to Midnight. That was a yep. song that was written about the Doomsday Clock. Now, that's almost 40 years ago. So let's do some mathematics. In the last 40 years, the Doomsday Clock has moved from two minutes to midnight to 90 seconds to midnight at the rate we're going it'll be another 120 years before it actually strikes the hands that threaten doom as it says in yeah. that song bruce bruce dickinson croons out i don't think we have anything to worry about although having said that of course nukes could happen at any time but sure we're not just live life day by day and you know what if if we get nuked we get nuked it's better to go out uh better to burn out than to fade away what do you reckon I completely agree with you. And uh, going on things that I've been seeing on the news, I, I guess related to all of this, we've we've seen our own um, MPs this morning saying that our youth, our children, uh, need to uh, worry about being conscripted to go to war. Mm. Um, and I'm just going to put this out there and, and prosecute me if you will, government, but my two children, they're not fighting your war. It's as simple as that. Um, if these people want to have nuclear war or any kind of war, these people are the ones that need to fight it. They need to stop using us as cannon fodder and terrifying us to the point where we will just go, yes, government, we're doing anything you want, government, because we're scared, government. It's really getting on my nerves. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. We discussed conscription yesterday, and I, I said much the same. And it goes on to the question, who can we trust then, Ben, moving forwards? You know, uh, my, my mantra tends to be trust no one, 
question everything and uh, I, I, I will I'm not pointing at so. me. I'm saying the only person <laughs> yeah. that we can trust is us. The only person you can fully trust is yourself. And um, this is something I know we're, we're low on time, but this is something that I like to talk about a lot on Chasing Descent as well. It's that when you come and watch our show and when you watch any show, you shouldn't just blindly believe what we say or what anybody else says. What you need to do is look at everything. Look at all the angles. Look at left-wing sources. Look at right-wing sources. Look at people's mobile phone footage on the ground and come to your own decision. And if your decision is something completely opposite to what we believe, I think everybody here sitting in this room has the ability to have our minds changed because... Sometimes we're not right. We're not always going to be right. But if you trust in yourself and you trust in your ability to come to your own conclusion, you should do pretty all right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. What a great way uh, to yeah. end. Let's, let's finish it on an amen. An amen for the uninitiated means let it be so. So we'll finish it with an amen. And I must say, I'm a little bit disappointed with you, Ben, this morning. You've taken your Christmas tree down. And it's I only know. the 24th of January. Actually, I was expecting to see that there until the summer, at least. But you've disappointed <laughs> actually, me actually <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was doing a school run uh, last week. And my wife came in here and did it. <gasps> I had no oh. choice. Oh, <laughs> no. So you had your Christmas tree forcibly removed by your wife. Yeah. That's a horrible. Well, maybe you can come back and tell us about that traumatic experience. Yep. <laughs> Authoritarian time. marriages now as well. Oh, yeah. Dictatorial, <laughs> oh, ter tyrannical <laughs> wives removing Christmas trees in January. It's ridiculous, the, the depths yep. to which we sink here in the UK at the minute. But yeah. massive yep. thanks to you this morning, Ben. Uh, check out their work on Chasing Descent, especially... Uh, on their YouTube channel. They have a lot of uploads there with some great interviews. Very, very entertaining. And big thanks as always to Ben for taking the time out to join us this morning. We've got to take another break. As per right now, Nat and I will be back. The lines will be open uh, when we return from this short break here until the top of the hour on TNT, today's news talk. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. About 11 years ago, Dr. Michael Mann slapped a lawsuit on Mark Stein, and that is coming to trial now. As a matter of fact, the trial is going on. But I can't figure out how this guy would do this. Let me read you some of his choice tweets. Trump will happily kill you, your children, and your parents to get elected. The GOP is pure evil. The GOP is a scourge upon the earth that must be destroyed. They are evil in the purest forms. It's not just Trump, but the entire Republican Party that is rotten and evil to its very core. The GOP is pure evil, must be destroyed. I guess he tweeted that twice. <laughs> the third one. The GOP is such a pure form of evil. The modern GOP is one of the most purely evil entities in the world today. This is a man who advocates for a one-party system. And he's one of the prominent climate scientists out there that is pushing this agenda, which is designed to do just that. Eliminate all opposition, eliminate freedom of thought, whether it's with climate or with everything else, and simply just toe the line to what he and his ilk want. So it's a very important trial. Apparently, Mark Stein said that he was a fraud because of his hockey stick. Now, I'm not going to use that terminology. You know why? Because I've never looked at the data that he used. But wouldn't it make you suspicious the reason I can't see it is because he won't let anyone else see it? This is the man 
who wants a one-party system in the United States. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. May the forecast be with you. It's the only weather you've got. People might tell you that Lyme doesn't kill people, but we are losing people. People disappear from their lives. One of the scariest things that I had to deal with was uh, memory loss. Not just like I don't remember what I did last week, but like I forgot all the words to my own songs. I remember going to my primary care physician and he was like, you are 100% healthy, there's nothing wrong with you. And my response was, that's impossible, I'm dying. I wasn't working. So I had all of these hospital bills. We had to move out of our home and move into my parents' basement. I just wish I could have truly been present in those big moments, you know, when she took her first steps or, you know, her first day of preschool. Lyme is such a thief and it goes undetected because no one is looking for it. For more information and prevention tips, go to projectlime.org. The choice is between normal, Natalie Cheel, or crazy. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we still have another 15 minutes to take us to the top of the hour. Uh, give us a call if you feel motivated or led to do so. <laughs> Someone sticks a rocket up your ass, you can lift that phone and you can give us a call. <laughs> Otherwise, you can remain in a state of perpetual slumber and listen in. But listen, we love it when you listen. We love it when you talk. We love it when you do nothing at all. Natalie, we've got another story here to cover this morning. More to do with jabs or the lack of them in this case. I suppose you could say this is a good news story. Yeah, I've, that's why I wanted to point it out because, you know, we had years and years of jabs being kind of forced on us or, or people coerced into taking one. And now people are waking up. We covered the MMR jab, the in, in uptake there is low. And now the HPV jab is saying the same. So this was uh, from The Telegraph. It says HPV jab uptake falls as vaccine hesitancy continues to grow in wake of lockdown. I like it the way they call it vaccine hesitancy uh, rather than anti-vaxxers who don't want anything to do with it. Uh, so it says now there are 120,000 teenagers who haven't had this HPV vaccine. So I would say that's good. That's 120,000 teenagers who are completely safe from any big pharma side effects. Uptake among boys uh, fell uh, to 69.7%, while for girls it was 75.7%. Uh, and I would like to say as well, it, particularly for boys, I think it's mad it's pushed on boys because boys are taking it to protect the girls anyway. So you're risking mm. side effects as a boy. But it does say later on in the article, it has dramatically lowered the rates of cervical cancer and harmful injections in both women and men. But it's not. So it's again, it's, it's, it's more lies even trying to push it. You know, I, I have, I've got two boys and I said, absolutely no way. Why on earth would I risk my boys having a, a severe big pharma side effect to protect a woman they possibly or possibly might not have sexual intercourse with in the future? Mm, not yeah. for me, I'm afraid. It, it, and I think other bit, people have said the same. A, you know, it, it's, it's another it's that uh, mentality now that seems to exist. You don't get injected 
just to protect yourselves, you get injected to protect others. Never at any other time in history was that actually the case. You know, if you ever did take your jobs or you went yeah. abroad, you got injected against yellow fever, not to protect other people, it was to protect yourself. And it did actually protect you as well. Don't forget the definitions of everything, Natalie, have been changed and rewritten over the last four years now as we come up to the fourth anniversary of madness, utter madness descending right across the world. And I think this is a telling story as well to see that that has dropped by 10% in the last year. That's not an insignificant amount. If it was half a percent, maybe 1%, you could, you know, you could overlook that. But 10% is a double digit drop. That's a massive amount. And if you actually think of the amount of children of needles that would have went into those children's arms, 10% of that is a huge number. So I'm taking that as some kind of a win. Yeah, it is a massive win. And uh, <clears throat> this particular jab, I remember there were quite a few women particularly, or girls, I should say, because they take it when they're teenagers in America, who had severe, severe side effects. Uh, so there were some girls that were paralyzed from this uh, jab. So, you know, it doesn't even protect you. They call it an HPV jab, but it, there's so many... Uh, types of HPV and this particular jab only does about 20 of them out of something like 120 now don't factually check me on that but I'm just giving a rough estimate but it, but again it doesn't even you know was it Ron Seal it does what it says on the tin the, yeah. the, the, these yeah. vaccinations this doesn't even it doesn't even vaccinate you against what it no. even claims to and it gives you a whole load of side effects it, you know it, it'll be the worst advert ever it wouldn't beat Ron Seal I tell you no, it's not the it's not the Ron Seal of vaccines. That's for <laughs> sure. You know, they they need to take a little bit a leaf out of the Ron Seal marketing because listen, that's for what a paint stain. <laughs> but you can remember that ad from about thirty years ago. Big pharma <laughs> need to employ the people that made the ads in the eighties and nineties so it yeah. sticks properly in people's heads. Ron Seal. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you live outside one. the UK. If you live outside the UK, it's paint, it's like wood stain, right? Not the sort of thing you would rush out to the shop and buy or you'd be into, yeah. but here's Natalie and I fondly remembering the Ron Seal marketing campaign. That's yeah. what Big Pharma needs if they want to get this 10% back again with needles in their arms. Right. Ron Seal, look it up, people. Great ads. I miss those ads. Yeah, but I think back what, joking, not joking about that ad, what the point was, they Ron Seal were trying to say, you get lied to all the time in adverts. We're yeah. not trying to do that. It literally said, uh -huh. Ron Seal would stain. It does uh -huh. what it says on the tin. Like, uh -huh. like you know, and it should, it, it, this should be, you know, HPV jab doesn't actually protect you, may get side effects. That's what it actually should say, but they can't do it. They can't be like no. Ron Seal, can they? So, you know. They can't be like yeah, Ron Seal a... or, or Furry Liquid. I don't know if you remember the, the Furry Liquid ads in the 80s that had this woman called Nanette Newman, and she was walking along this table of washed dishes. It was about 40 feet long, and she says, this is what an ordinary bottle of washing up liquid does. And then she walks for about another 200 miles, and yeah, she says, this one. is what Furry Liquid does. So everyone, that's the go-to brand for washing up liquid because of those bloody ads. It's the same with chocolates, milk tray, the milk tray man, or even, I don't know if you remember Shake and Vac. Uh, there was this woman who did this dance yeah, around her I living room it. with her, do the shake and vac and bring the freshness back, do the shake and vac and bring the freshness back. So I can remember all that stuff. It sticks in your head. So I'm just saying, uh, like number 10 Downing Street, they need to get the fact checkers on board to stop them making fools of themselves. I think if Big Pharma want to keep their position, they're going to have to get some 80s marketing execs on board because they're they're floundering terribly.
and we're glad to see well, and, that. And then this is, this is a good point to move on to the next story because uh, Cameroon uh, starts its world-first malaria vaccine mm. programme for children. And oh, wow, if we're talking rubbish vaccines, I literally read through the article about, you know, at least they try and claim the HPV and the MMR and uh, the COVID ones are safe and effective. They don't even claim that this one that they're pushing out is safe and effective. And I'd like to just say before I put it back to uh, Rick, I did check. It's Va- Gabby Vaccines Alliance is uh, who's uh, providing these vaccines to Cameroon and then to Africa. They are part of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, a founding uh, partner. So uh, that's probably no surprise to you, but just uh, thought I'd add that in there. And I'm sure you've got more information for us, Rick. Yeah, and here's the thing as well. Now, the one thing that I will say about this campaign that's being launched in Cameroon to do with malaria, it's it, it they will get a huge take up on it, and I'll tell you why. Malaria is an absolute killer disease, especially in that part of the world. Sub-Saharan Africa, around about the equatorial belt, uh, just north and south of it, kills so many hundreds of thousands of people every year with malaria. So in those areas... Even if a vaccine is not deemed to be, you know, perfectly safe and effective, a lot of people will take it because they know if they get falciparum malaria, it's a death sentence anywhere if they can't get the medical treatment. So in a way, I think they're playing on that. Much the same, for example, let's let's say COVID had been real and let's say it was something that gave you a 90% chance of death. Let's say that, for example. If you and I then were offered a chance to take a job and the job was 50-50, 50-50 still better odds than 90-10, so many more people would have taken it. But of course, COVID, what was it, asymptomatic? It was a cold, basically. There was a 99.9% chance of survival. So anyone with any sense in their head wouldn't be rushing to take it. Now, the malaria thing is a different one altogether because villages will be full of people who have lost children, people who have died, mothers and fathers that have died with malaria, and they'll be thinking, hang on, this does kill us. And even if this vaccine's not particularly safe and effective, it's giving us a better chance than if we were to take the dreaded malaria. So I think they're but, preying on that, not like especially in that yes. part of the world. It's a sick, sick setup, preying on that fear but, to experiment on people. But is it? Because we know that vaccines aren't safe and effective. And this one could be even worse, potentially. To give you some facts and figures here, in Africa, there are about 250 million cases of the disease, including 600,000 deaths in young children. But Mm -hmm. this GlaxoSmithKline shot, it's only about 30% effective Mm -hmm. and it requires four doses and protection Mm -hmm. begins to fade after several months. No wonder they can't claim safe and effective. I mean, that is poor. And then add that you might actually die potentially from any side effect. I wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. I'm no, not, you know. but you're informed. You're informed. You know this. The villages that they're going into and the, the rural areas that they're going to haven't got a clue. They don't know about the mortality figures. They don't know about 30% effectiveness. They don't even get any informed consent. That's what I mean. They will be preyed upon. by Because what will happen is a team will come in, a mobile clinic will come in, they'll set up a tent and they'll say, we want to, we want to jab your children against malaria. And all the people will here is malaria and all that they will know is 600,000 child deaths a year. They won't be looking at efficacy. They won't be being told about uh, side effects. They'll just be told to roll up their arms. And that's what I mean. They'll be preyed upon in that respect because they don't have access to proper information and they won't be getting informed consent. It's it's sick. It's sick. 
Yeah, it's preying on and manipulating vulnerable people uh, who don't know any better. They can't give informed consent, like you said. And there is another uh, jab as well that they're trying to bring out uh, that's different to this one. This is from the Oxford University. Uh, it's the vaccine's cheaper and it's only free doses. But both of them, and it says very clearly at the end of the article, neither of these malaria vaccines stop transition, uh, transition, transmission. transmission. So other tools like... Um, bed nets and intersectocidal sprays will still be critical. So it's even literally admitting that they, they don't really do anything at all. And you still have to put all your normal protection that you would against malaria as normal. So, you know, you know, if they actually had informed consent, you'd have to ask yourself. And particularly if we suddenly got malaria in this country, I would say, well, you have to weigh up the side effects here to the actual, you know, efficiency of the vaccine. And it would be a no, 30% for 30% chance for for jabs. And uh, yeah, doesn't even stop transmission against possible side effects from Big Pharma. And we've seen all the pictures of people who suffered from other vaccinations. It would be a massive no from me. But it's very sad that people in Cameroon and Africa aren't going to get this uh, information, no. are they? So, uh, you know, it's important we highlight it here. Yeah, and also that you mentioned about nets, that's the biggest uh, preventer of transmission of malaria is not chemical intervention. It's actually having a proper mosquito net put up. Most of the time, these uh, mosquitoes only come out in the evening and they come out uh, at dawn, dawn and dusk, basically, and during the night. So during the day, you don't really have to worry about being getting bitten by a mosquito. They only really operate from sunrise until or sunset until sunrise. So if you're sleeping under a net and the net hasn't got holes in it, because listen, a net that's only as good as the biggest hole in the net. And as long as those little suckers can't get in past the net, you should be fine. Uh, you should be fine. And also the killer strain of uh, malaria is falciparum malaria. There's four different strains of malaria. Three of them aren't fatal. Okay, three of, uh, three of the four are not fatal. They'll make you feel a little bit run down, a little bit peaky. But the fourth one, falciparum, is the killer. And that's the one that needs to be presented, prevented. But even they've said themselves, there's only a 30% chance uh, that it might stop you from getting it and dying. And even then you have to get repeatedly jabbed with side effects. So yeah, it's the, the odds are not in the favor yeah. of the Cameroonians on this one. Yeah, I always say if you uh, want to really ask people's opinion on something, as growing up uh, with betting and gambling all around me, if you uh, only had a 30% chance of, of something, Rick, how much money would you want to put on that, really? if what, disposable, what amount of your disposable income would you want to put each month on a 30% chance? And then once people will, oh, no, I wouldn't want to do that, I'll be like, mm, well, then would you really fancy your chances then at taking this vaccine, you know? Uh, and, that, and then that puts it into perspective it does it does and it is all uh, you know it is all about risk uh, risk profiles there's risk with everything in life i'm just having a little look in the uh, in the live chat here at the morning uh, this morning uh, ming has said africa should know by now after all the stunts that were pulled on them like wild polio indeed and ming that's the the good thing about this is much the same as we're seeing a 10% reduction in hpv take up for example or a big drop off in mmr or people not going for more covid shots or more covid boosters people are still doing it but it's dropping off. Africans have wised up by and large, at least in the places that I've been to, they don't automatically rush out to these clinics and they don't automatically take their kids to get this done. I think there still need to be an aggressive push for this, despite the fact that they're using malaria as the big killer disease. That's a good thing. It's uh, Over time, people are slowly coming to their senses when it comes to big pharma and lies from their local uh, governments. Uh, Natalie. So that's yeah. another win, I suppose. 
Yeah, and they, there was a very uh, small uptake for the COVID jab in Africa, wasn't there? They just mm. weren't buying that at all. They, they were trying to even they were trying to almost force people and uh, coerce them in various ways. But unlike mm. in the West, the propaganda just didn't get through to yeah. them, did it? No, and they were stoned. There was a lot of footage of uh, rural areas that when the mobile clinics came in, they stoned them. You know, they threw rocks yeah. and boulders and they, they chased them, chased them out of town. So the word got out pretty quick. Uh, this is a no, no brainer. We're not going to get these into people's arms. And a lot of them were destroyed. <clears throat> there was a lot of vaccines, <clears throat> excuse me, sent over to Africa that America didn't want and they were nearly expiring, but they weren't even used. They were ended up getting destroyed. So, yeah, uh, it's a big scam and the share prices of Pfizer as a reflecting that quite beautifully but the music's playing and uh, that means it's time to go i know you have other business to attend to today so hope you have a good day not like get to get done what you need to get done and hopefully we'll be back again tomorrow morning bright and early 9 a.m uk time for more open line i'll be back after the news with locked and loaded so don't go away this is tnt today's news.